beginning this morning by attuning to the silence, the silence within the room, the silence in this environment. It doesn't mean that noises, sounds won't be occurring. And yet, at the same time, one can sense, one can sensitize oneself. To silence. Sometimes we're inwardly talking too much to be able to attune, to be able to listen. When we stop talking, when we stop speaking to ourselves or engaging in arguments with how things are, with inner dialogue, something relaxes within the heart. Hafiz says, when the words stop and you can endure the silence, that reveals your heart's pain of emptiness or that great wrenching sweet longing, that is the time to try and listen to what the universe most wants to say. We come to the practice, we come to retreats, Because we know, we know that something is not quite right. We have experience of pain, of fragility, of uncertainty. What is called dukkha in Pali, the language that the teachings were written down in, what the Buddha spoke about as the first ennobling truth. We come here with already some wisdom. This word dukkha is translated as unsatisfactoriness or suffering, a sense of incompleteness, heartache, longing, emptiness, something so wonderful about this practice is we acknowledge it. We don't veer away. We don't pretend things are other than the way that they are. We recognize within our own hearts some sense of impediment We don't try to convince ourselves that it's not so, that we should feel like this or we should feel like that. There's a certain kind of relief in this acknowledgement, physically, mentally, emotionally. The 
Buddha spoke as well about the second ennobling truth, looking into this pain, this heartache, this void, this sense of emptiness, this longing. And he asked us to look at grasping, at clinging, at craving, at thirst, at hunger, always trying to satiate ourselves through external experiences, external conditions, never living up to our expectations, and yet, over and over again, attempting to find inner satiation through conditions. The second ennobling truth asks us to look at craving, at aversion, at ill will, at confusion, at delusion, and to respond to what we find with compassion, with clarity, with wisdom, not reinforcing what we discover. seeing all things, all phenomena as nature, as that which arises and passes away, practicing non-identification with what we find. Because what we find within our own hearts is what all beings find. It's very good news, too, look, to see, to discover for ourselves our own torments of heart, and to practice releasing and loosening, befriending, seeing clearly, and letting be, letting go. This is the second of the ennobling truths that the Buddha discovered for himself and then shared with the rest of us. The third ennobling truth is his realization that in this recognition of dukkha and the causes of dukkha, there is release possible This is a path of liberating the heart from its torments and then sharing that liberation with all beings everywhere. And the fourth of the noble truths, the nobling truths, is that of the path itself of integrity, of meditation, contemplation, and of wisdom. So just holding whatever methods and techniques we offer through our time here together within this greater vision, this greater perspective. Not to get caught on anything that seems mechanistic or overly method 
oriented. But holding yourself, holding the moment, holding the day within this greater perspective, orientation, wise orientation, which always includes loving kindness and compassion, always includes gentleness and patience. This practice is the practice of shamatha vipassana. Shamatha meaning calm or tranquility, developing an initial level of peacefulness. Vipassana means inquiry or investigation. <coughs> exploration. And so the practice is one of both calm and wisdom, silence and illumination, steadiness and exploration. The two work together and become one. And at times we lean in one direction or another. For there to be fruitful inquiry, really rich investigation, illumination. There needs to be the foundation of steadiness, of groundedness, an initial level of peacefulness, of quietness, so that we're not just doing the same thing we always do, which is to try to think our way out of our problems. Thinking, of course, is not a problem in and of itself. It is not something that we want to struggle against or make into an enemy. Thinking comes and goes. And we can give it way too much credit we can be caught in the trance of thinking, believing almost every thought that comes along. This leaves no space whatsoever for peacefulness, for looking beyond thought in a sense, for recognizing the sheer beauty of the inner silence. So we make our peace with thinking. We don't resist or struggle against the thoughts that naturally arise. And we practice not adding a thought to the thought that is happening right here and right now. This is how we make peace with what seems to be such a problem at times, our very own thoughts. Can we mix thinking in with silence? Can we let thoughts be like waves within this greater ocean of spaciousness, of vastness, of beauty?
to be able to see into, which is what this word Vipassana means, seeing into the true nature of phenomena of ourselves. This foundation of steadiness, of harmonization of body and mind, of groundedness, stabilization. This comes about through leaning towards the shamatha aspect of the practice. And we go about this through finding an anchor, finding a touchstone for ourselves. What could be called a temporary home or refuge for the mind. So this can be the sense of the body, the felt sense of the body right now, just sitting. Not having to do or become or be anyone, just sitting. Sitting quietly, doing nothing. Just simply over and over again, aware of the body as it is. The felt sense of the whole body just sitting here. There is this body, this body is sitting. We can also be aware of the breathing, the felt sense of this in-breath happening right here and right now, the felt sense of this out-breath occurring. Not thinking about the breath, the breath knows how to breathe itself. The body knows what to do, it always has. So we don't need to interfere in that way. We don't need to make it do this or that. We just want to accompany this in-breath, this out-breath, as it's happening. So aware of the body, just sitting, aware of the breathing, or aware of whatever sounds are happening as your touchstone, as your anchor. You can be aware of just the body touching the cushion or the chair or the bench. You can be aware of just the breathing, the in-breath, the out-breath. You can be aware of just sound. Or you can be aware of all three or two out of the three. But the practice right now is to find a way to anchor yourself, to ground yourself, to calm this body-mind experience. Sustaining attentiveness on the anchor or sometimes called primary object of attention. And then when you find yourself elsewhere, as you will, not a problem, relaxing and returning to whatever your 
touchstone might be. This is a way to train the mind. The Buddha said, Practitioners, I know not of any other single thing so intractable as the untamed mind. The untamed mind is indeed a thing intractable. Practitioners, I know of any, I know not of any other single thing as tractable as the tamed mind. The tamed mind is indeed a thing tractable. Practitioners, I know not of any other single thing so conducive to great loss as the untamed mind. The untamed mind indeed conduces to great loss. Practitioners, I know not of any other single thing so conducive to great profit as the tamed mind. The tamed mind indeed conduces to great profit. Practitioners, I know not of any other single thing that brings such woe as the mind that is untamed. Such a mind indeed brings great woe. Practitioners, I know not of any other single thing that brings such bliss as the mind that is tamed. Such a mind brings great bliss. This is not an attempt at control. It's not an attempt to control the uncontrollable, which is the fact that everything arises according to causes and conditions on its own. Everything is just doing its own thing. So we're not attempting to control or to tamp down on or to push ourselves or anything around. We're not attempting to convince ourselves of anything. We are simply training, taming the mind right now. Shifting, in a sense, into another gear, a quieter gear, a calmer gear, a peaceful gear. Gaining access to this gear through sustained attentiveness on the body, the breath, or sound. Doesn't matter how many times you lose track. Doesn't matter. That is out of your control. What does matter is the willingness to return. The patience and the kindness to return time and again. This is how we train the mind. Straightening the spine. Relaxing the body. Relaxing the eyes and the face. 
Relaxing the shoulders, let the shoulders come down a hair. Relaxing the arms and the hands and the fingers, let the fingers be quiet. Not fidgeting, quiet and still. Diaphragm, relaxed. Belly, relaxed. Legs and feet and toes, relaxed.
in the five minutes remaining in the sitting. Don't make it into any kind of an endurance contest. Mindfully moving if you find yourself in physical pain. Feeling quite free to stand. At any point, whenever we sit throughout the day, Standing as long as you'd like and then sitting back down again. Standing can help if you're finding yourself dull or sleepy as well. In any case, in these remaining five minutes, relaxing your body, relaxing your mind, Being present, the attention sustained on, the body, the breath, sound, but without undue stress or pressure, just here to meet you whenever you find yourself lost or confused, here's the body, here's the breath, here's the sound not making anything up, not having to concoct or create anything, resting in things as they are.
You'll hear the sound of the bell in a moment or two. When you do, make it into your meditative object. Be aware of the sound. Be aware of its nuances. Be aware of how it changes. Be aware of the moment when you can't hear the sound any longer. Make it into meditation. Oh, good morning to everyone. Um, if there are any IMS staff, please feel free. Kathleen, if you want to go, yeah. Okay, so I hope you slept well last night. Sometimes the first night um, and um, here, whether you've been here many, many times before, whether this is the first time, it's sometimes a little tricky because of the sounds and just unusual environment, even if you're feel very at home here. So um, one good thing is nothing much happening today. Yeah, You don't have to really be on top of it. You, you really, um, the requirements are really low. Basically to be aware, to be aware of whatever it is that's occurring. So if there isn't a whole lot of physical energy, not to worry about it. It will ebb and flow throughout the day today. Um, I'm going to say a few things, and then we're going to have our cell phone ceremony. And, um, and then Matthew is going to speak about posture and about walking, walking meditation. So just to make sure I don't forget to say this, that after the cell phone ceremony, those of you who um, have heard um, time and again about posture and walking and would prefer to um, to leave before th- Matthew speaks about that, that's just fine. You can just, just exit out the door after you participate in the ceremony. So um, I want to first of all, though, to introduce Eowyn, who is a little bit difficult to see, but she's right there. <laughs> She's right here. And Eowyn is a dear friend and, um, and a very skilled uh, practitioner. And um, she also teaches meditation, just not here. And she um, offers yoga and mindful movement on, on all of my retreats, basically. So she is going to be offering the mindful movement in the morning and in the afternoon. Today, um, just to to look at the schedule, there's mindful movement at 10.30, 
and then there's mindful movement at 4.15. There is a Q&A in the hall from 2.30 until 3. And other than these kind of highlights, of course, there's lunch, and um, <laughs> we can look forward to that, or we can just be present and lunch will come. Um, it's not, it's not a whole lot is going on today. And so to appreciate the beauty of the um, situation that we're in, it's gorgeous time to be here. And um, you never know what's going to happen with the weather. Just that as we don't know what's going to happen with the inner weather, we don't know what's going to happen with the outer weather. But it does seem like it's one of those just incredibly gorgeous weather days. So to appreciate that, you know, to, to allow yourself to um, attune yourself to the beautiful environment that we're in. To slow down. We come here, many of us, out of... Um, very full lives, and even if even if you're retired, sometimes being retired is more of a full life than before you were retired. So, to come here where the pace is much slower, you know, attuning yourself to the pace here, which is that you can slow down, you can relax, you can let go, you can let be, and at the same time encouraging a deliberateness. So. See if you can lead with your heart rather than your head. You know, if your head is leading you around all day, um, it's, it's very discombobulated and fragmented. Whereas if you can come into your body and just step by step, moment by moment, a heedfulness, a deliberateness, a care in all of your bodily actions, it just really makes a big difference. So encouraging this deliberateness, this heedfulness, and at the same time, relaxed and at ease. Practicing the art of non-urgency and of releasing any sense of inner pressure, inner squeeze. Bringing attentiveness to everything that we do throughout the day so it's not just overly focused on the sitting or even on the walking but on everything one does throughout the day, a sense of equal meaning, that all moments are equal, all moments are um, important to see if we can stay awake within. So in other words, practicing a sense of non-hierarchy, that this moment is really important, this moment I might as well space out on but seeing if it's possible to be attentive in a seamless way. There is this really interesting um, feature of retreats, which is the bulletin board. And I just wanted to to mention it to you because it's like it's the TV here. (laughs) It's the movie that actually does not change all that much. It is possible that it won't change at all throughout the day to day. But um, but who knows, you know, uh, sometimes it does. And sometimes practitioners have this idea of, I'm never going to look at the board, I'm going to be a really good yogi. And then, you know, you miss a note that um, that you need to see. So wisdom is required all the time. You need to check the board, like, maybe 
maybe twice today, something like that. But when you notice that you're reading it, like, you know, you just need something to read because you're not reading and you're not talking and you're not, there's very little stimuli here. So you're reading it like maybe something exciting will happen if I stand here long enough. You know? It's so unlikely. You know? I don't want to say never, but it's so unlikely. So just to just to you know play around with that to be to be aware of wanting always wanting stimuli from outside of ourselves and in those moments those are wonderful moments to turn within to turn your attention within and to just see what's going on you know just to check out what is happening in this body mind experience okay so the cell phone um I used to call it cell phone renunciation ceremony, and I've developed cell phone liberation uh, ceremony. What we're going to do is I'm going to ask you to, for everybody to come up, whether you're giving your cell phone in or not, and to, if you have your cell phone, to put your cell phone in. You can just go like that. And um, if you don't have your physical cell phone to offer your intention to not use your cell phone during this weekend, so offer that to the basket. As Matthew was saying last night, if you wanted to offer a computer or a Kindle or you know novels or anything that you brought just in case, you know, just in case you might have a moment of boredom. Or just in case you you thought you needed to rest on something other than um, than yourself, um, you know. Also, to offer, if you would like, anything that you want to let go of for the weekend. You know, maybe your self criticism. Put it in the basket. Maybe it's not that easy, obviously. We hand it in and then it kind of comes back and whatever. <laughs> would it be that easy? But still, it's intentionality. So maybe judging of others or maybe, I don't know what, whatever you know is really a habit that you have that does not serve. Feel free to hand it into the basket as kind of um, in terms of, of intentionality, what you want to offer up. So what we'll do is if those of you from the back could come up and, and just start walking up very relaxed, very at ease, very, you know, no need for self-consciousness um, or be aware of self-consciousness if self-consciousness is occurring, just to start coming up and, um, and offering to the basket. And we might, you know, ring the bell when everybody puts a, when you put a cell phone in or something in. And um, um, for those of you who are really familiar with bowing, we'll bow back to you, but do not feel that you need to bow if you, you know, are not used to it or don't want to. Um, but just, just everybody start, start coming up. Thank you. And being aware of walking as you're walking, being aware of moving, and just, just keep coming. Do you want to ring the bell? Thanks. <laughs> Just every so often for the ceremonial mm-hmm. aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were going to just ring the bell with the cell phones, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. 
kind of moving fluid. You don't have to go super slow.
<laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Um, soul bones these days are like appendages, so I appreciate it. And also, it's a good way for us to say hi. And um, I recognize many, many more of you than I thought when you come actually come up front. So it's good to see you. Okay. So, Matthew. Yeah. Uh, Narayan mentioned to me that um, she wanted to invite those of you who have had a lot of walking meditation instruction and posture instruction that if you'd like to go start your walking practice, you can. Um, And I'm going to offer as much uh, support as comes to mind around um, being in a body in the uh, sitting periods and and being in a body and a mind. And... uh, and how to practice during the walking periods. So maybe we'll let people make their way out of the hall. Hmm. So I'm going to give a few um, pointers on uh, what to do with the body during uh, sitting to see if you can find a way to sit today that can be supportive for you and um, maybe some things for you to explore in your own uh, practice outside of here on retreat. Uh, And if a few of you have questions uh, after my um, whatever I offer, um, you can come up afterwards and uh, I can talk with you about any um, particular things that are individual to you. So just, I'm going to give some really uh, practical advice, but the first thing that I want to say is that um, we're all in human bodies here, every one of us. Every one of our human bodies is different and unique, and so you will sit in a way that is unlike anybody else in the room, and you should expect to find a posture, a sitting posture, that 
fits well and serves your particular body well. And you really don't need to be looking around at other people for what they're doing in the sitting posture because it ain't going to work for your body because <laughs> their body isn't your body. So um, that's the first. And the second is to say that part of what comes along with a human body is discomfort. Um, if you were to follow any human being around uh, from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, they're like fidgeting and moving around all the time. And uh, that's because they're just little bits of adjustments that we make in order to try and find a little bit more ease in the body regularly. And, and this is because discomfort just comes up. So one thing that's important to say is that... Uh, you're not going to try and find the perfect posture so that discomfort never arises. <laughs> this is not the goal. But we want to find a posture that um, is supportive and that doesn't injure the body over time and that feels stable and can help our uh, cultivation of meditation. Um, let's see. So, uh, getting into some practical tips. In any sitting posture, I'm going to give some advice that's, uh, most of it will apply to any sitting posture. And if something's specific to whether you're in a chair or on a cushion or on a bench, then I'll mention it. Um, The first thing uh, when sitting that is really important is to have a stable base. And uh, what that often, most of the time, looks like is three good solid points of contact that are supporting the body. So if you're in a chair, you've got two feet on the floor that are squarely on the floor, and you've got a butt on the seat on the chair. And if you're on a cushion, you've got uh, likely two knees and the sits bones or the rear sitting down and holding the weight. Um, And with this, it can be... um, it is really valuable to have your hips be above your knees or at least at about the same plane. This allows the hip joint to be open for the blood to flow and um, not to create extra tension. So you may, if you're sitting in a chair uh, and you notice that you're tall enough that your knees are up above your hips, you might want to put a blanket or a sweater or a pillow or uh, something underneath you to raise the hips up. And the same may be true in the... Wedges, too. Uh, and there, are, there may be some wedges uh, in the back that you can find. I don't know if there's a lot of them. but um, And the same may be true in the uh, sitting posture. If you're sitting like I am, uh, which is kneeling, either on a cushion or a bench, you've pretty much got this covered. Because <laughs> the knees are on the floor... Uh, the seat is on the cushion, so the knees are below the hips, and uh, that works out nicely. I'll stay in profile just maybe to see if you can see a little better, but um, if I'm sitting cross-legged, I also like my knees to be below my hips. Now, today, my right hip is not feeling so open that my knee is coming down to the floor, and Another thing that is very important is that the knee joint is supported. So if you're sitting in a chair, hopefully there's a foot um, that's going to support under your knee. Um, And if you're sitting on a 
bench, your knees are supported by the floor. If you're sitting cross-legged like this and your hips like mine, at least, well, the, I'm running out of the cushion below me called the zabuton, but um, if my knee's popping up, I want to put something under it. Again, it's a little pillow or a sweater or a blanket or another cushion so that it has something to rest on so that the weight of the leg isn't pulling at the knee joint. And sometimes I see people who um, may not have gotten instruction on posture and they sit down on the floor like they've been sitting down on the floor since they were a little kid crisscross applesauce like this. And uh, this usually will work for you if you've been doing it your whole life when you're sitting for shorter periods of time. Typically, if you're uh, beginning retreat practice and you're going to be sitting for longer periods and many times throughout the day, this can eventually wear on the ankles to have the uh, weight of the legs pressed down on them, and you may find that uh, it cuts off circulation. Um, But if it seems to work for you, you can play with it, but just um, be aware that that may uh, come up. And one thing to do, if that's the case, is just to put one leg in front of the other uh, I don't know if you if you can't see me and you want to see me. Feel free to stand up and look. Um, and this posture is often called Burmese. And here is where you may notice that in this position, the the knee isn't uh, may you know be floating if the hip isn't open. So um, let's see. Anything I want to mention else about that? Um, The next thing is uh, what happens through the hips and translated into the upper body. If I have three good points of contact and my knees are supported, then uh, what I notice is that the upper body is free to feel uh, relaxed and at ease to be upright. And uh, if I'm uh, not supported well, I can sometimes, this is my body, round forward. And what you'd like is for the spine to feel um, naturally relaxed in whatever upright posture your spine uh, does naturally. Spines are different. And so your upright and at ease may look different than another person's upright and at ease in the upper body. Um, I like to think of being dangled from a string from the crown of my head. It's a nice image. Um, Many people carry tension in their shoulders and neck. I certainly do. And uh, a great thing to help allow the shoulders and the neck to have some ease from typical tension is to put a blanket or a pillow or something in the lap and simply to put your hands on it. What this does is it takes some of the weight of the arms and transfers it right through the cushion or the blanket and into the lap and then down into the floor. So uh, the neck and shoulders aren't carrying so much of the weight there. And uh, if that's not an issue for you, you can just rest the hands wherever feels comfortable. You may rest them on the legs, uh, in a chair or a bench or on a cushion. You may want to rest them together in the lap. And in any of those cases, something that um, has been helpful for me is to just check to see if my elbows are below my shoulders and not pulled forward. When the elbows are 
forward from the shoulders, it can kind of pull on my back. So I just let them hang and dangle and drop and then rest my hands wherever feels natural. So that's, that's all I want to say for uh, the sitting posture. And if you've um, got something going on um, that you want to check in with me about, you're welcome to right after this. And also, um, Eowyn may have taught me all the most important things that I know about sitting posture. <laughs> so um, please avail yourself of her expertise. I'm offering you up, Eowyn. <laughs> um, she leads the mindful movement, so um, she's also a great resource. Um, so, um, just a few notes on walking meditation. Um, one thing to say is that um, some of my most, <laughs> you can't really pick these out, but some of what have apparently been to me most valuable meditation moments of wisdom and compassion and development and insight have happened during the walking. And um, that can only show up when um, we really treat the walking as no lesser than any other practice. Narayan said this earlier when she mentioned that um, we try to develop an attitude that doesn't create a hierarchy of any particular moment, whether it's drinking a cup of water or walking or sitting. And um, So first is just to bring wholeheartedness to the walking practice. And... Uh, one of the things that has helped me tremendously on retreat in order to do this and to be simple throughout the day is if I need to use the restroom or if I need to get a drink of water or something like this, I do it at the very beginning or very end of the walking period. And that frees my walking practice up from in the middle having to decide, <laughs> oh, do I need to go to the bathroom now? Oh, do I need to go for a drink of water? And not introducing an extra decision point into the mind during a period of meditation allows for just settling in. Um, So that's just a practical tip. And the next, I'll demonstrate a bit of how the walking meditation may go for you. There are a couple of indoor walking halls, um, and you may also walk outdoors. It's a beautiful day. Um, If you're walking indoors, we ask that you walk Widthwise, as opposed to lengthwise in the room so that more people can uh, walk in the same room at the same time. And uh, a very traditional way to practice walking meditation is on what is called a walking path where we walk about 10 to 15 paces back and forth. So it's different than just going for a walk. It's actually just allowing the body to be in a walking posture, if you will, while we continue to practice just coming back to the anchor, developing collectedness of mind, gatheredness of mind. And uh, let's see, I don't have a portable mic, so I'm just going to speak loudly. So I just want to demonstrate for you what this may look like. Um, Walking meditation practice often is done as an embodied practice. We practice bringing awareness into the body and noticing 
directly, what are the physical sensations that are arising in the body as I'm in this moment and moving? And so you can play with where to rest attention. You may rest attention in the bottoms of the feet. You may just notice all the sensations through the legs. Or you can really open it up and just feel the whole body walking. But play with this to discover what's supportive for you to cultivate moment-to-moment attentiveness. Sometimes it may be more helpful to just notice the sensations at the bottoms of the feet. Other times, opening up to the whole body may feel like it really supports a sense of presence, a sense of really being here. So for a walking path, you'll start just by standing. I like to take a few moments standing and just feel the body from the inside out. And then you can simply walk. And walk in a way that feels easy. I get to the end of my path and I stop, tune in, and at this moment I do turning meditation. I really stay here for the full for the full turn. Now as I walk, I'm suffusing my body with attention, just receiving all the sensations that show up moment to moment. To do this, you may find that different paces may help you uh, be interested, connected, uh, feel alive and uh, present and attentive. And so you may find that slowing down a bit really helps. Just feeling one step and then the next. You may even find that there are times where you'd like to do really slow meditation, walking, and really zoom in on feeling what are all the sensations that show up during each step. You might walk very slowly. Now, none of these particularly map to attentiveness. You will know what is supportive for your own presence and connectedness to the body in these moments. So uh, walking slower doesn't mean that one is more attentive. Just play with the pace to find what really works in the particular moment. Anything that I missed that you might say? Okay. So, um, during walking periods, just walk. (laughs) And then you'll hear the bell and you can come in and it'll be time to sit. I think that's it. just wanted to say, I'll stay for just a moment if you have a question or two about the sitting posture. But um, please come up, uh, and I'll talk to you up here without the mic. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit 
dharmaseed.org slash donate.